What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. Before we get any further into today's episode, I would like you to go over to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It helps the show to grow up on the charts as well as continue to tell the SID story. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Infocast and sign up for our newsletter at sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. Now, let's get into today's conversation. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of SIDcast. This is kind of a rare um, Saturday morning one for you guys. Uh, James and I recorded late Thursday night. I feel like, um, I think we got done around 9, 30, 10 o'clock. So uh, to be quite frank with you, I did not want to turn around and produce an episode for Friday. That would have been a, a suicide on my part for something like this, um, which is uh, not uh, not something that... Uh, I'm interested in at the moment. So, um, yeah, I wanted to start off this uh, this episode. I'm going to say this now, and, and those of you who are on our newsletter have already gotten this news so far. This is not an ad. This is not, you know, a paid service or anything like that. What I wanted to tell you about just right off the bat while I have your attention, um, we have partnered with Speakeasy for Sports. So you might be wondering what in the world is that? Uh, we tweeted at him last night. We'll obviously do something today. you probably already seen it by the time that uh, you – catch this episode whether it be in the afternoon or, or whatever but um speakeasy for sports is uh there's no real true with a true vetting process and requirement for an invitation code to join you no longer have to shift through non-athletic professionals on other sites what this mean is like uh linkedin um you not you don't have to uh exactly um you know search for somebody you don't have to be the search on Twitter. You don't have to do anything like that. Um, You don't have to go through DMs. You don't have to go through anything. So what this is, is a networking thing for athletic professionals. And what it does is when I will give you an offer code here in in just a second, um, you can uh, uh, fill out your information, what division you are, what conference you are in, what uh, role you play in your athletic department and you are thrown into a a community of people to talk to to, if you had any questions for anybody within your conference or within your division to say hey how did you do this how did you do that or i just wanted to say hi uh this is an easy way to do it so um i know that a lot of people do this through like cosider or bos bosca or something like that 24 7 365 days a year um this is going to be basically that at your fingertips 24-7, 24-7, 365 days a year. For more information, uh, you can go to speakeasyforsports.com and follow Twitter at speakeasy4. That is spelled out literally at speakeasy4, F-O-R, um, and uh, get you guys connected with that. If you are on our newsletter, and I will obviously uh, do our link our newsletter today, um, you will have a code. So to get on the newsletter, you will have sidcast.substack.com. And you're probably wondering what the code is for. Well, this is kind of a way for people who aren't in athletics. Um, you could imagine 
uh, fans or parents, um, rabid fans, angry parents uh, getting onto this platform and just spamming you with, with information, spamming you with questions, spamming you with nonsense. Um, they've made it an, an easy way to kind of sift through that. You have to validate exactly who you are, who you work for. It's just not another social networking app. This is especially for athletic communications professionals. I really, really like it. Um, I've seen the interface and what we will have, I know this is me talking about it for a while, but I, quite frankly, I like the idea and I really like what we can do with it. Um, for those of you that are going to use the code by getting on the, the newsletter and by going through um, by going through the show, SIDcast, you'll be thrown into the SIDcast group. You'll be thrown into the SIDcast community. That way you will have um, people who also listen to the show whether you want to talk about it, whether you want to say, hey, this was a fun one, or you want to reach out to the uh, the guest and say, hey, I, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, this is a great way to do it. And we've got our own, very own SID cast community all on Speakeasy for Sports. So again, not an ad. Uh, this is more of a partnership that we are doing. And I, uh, I, I'm super looking forward to it. And I'm super looking forward to uh, seeing you guys all on Speakeasy for Sports. Cool. So yeah, uh, to today's episode, we have James Hill from the Oklahoma Baptist Bison. Uh, James is a, a somebody that I've wanted to have on for a while when he was at Southern Nazarene. Then he went to OKBU and uh, kind of let him, uh, you know, most of the time when, when people get new jobs, I let them be there for at least a year or so, depending on who they are and what what's going on. Um, kind of let that go with COVID, talking to some people that have just joined their department literally months ago, but um yeah, so a guy I've always wanted to have on, a guy that is has moved up quite a bit in the uh, in the in the ladder, um, which is something that I'm interested in. I know a lot of you are interested in. One thing we'll talk about today, as we're going through all these tough times and challenges that everybody are still facing, um, is being a support network and be and having a support network and and knowing that it is okay when when we're in a, we're in a service. It is a service that we do for other people that it is uh, okay to take time to yourself and have that uh, mental day, I would say. So that's quite a theme. As you guys know, we do have a, a lot of themes that kind of go through these episodes. So that's a theme that we, we've got going on. Um, yeah, lots of good stuff today. And we will start out episode 162 of SIDcast with James Hill of the Oklahoma Baptist Bison and his uh, sport background growing up right here on SIDcast. It's a little, almost a two-way street there. So, I mean, growing up, I, so I'm, I'm from Monroe, Louisiana, uh, which is the northern part of Louisiana. And I, I grew up um, playing sports all my life. I mean, I started playing baseball when I was four, uh, basketball when I was five or six, and then football when I was seven. And that just kind of carried um, my entire life. And so I knew I loved sports. And quite frankly, I mean, I, I guess I had large aspirations as a uh, – as a younger kid. Cause I mean, I just figured I was going to play professional one day, you know, I'd, I'd go play in MLB or the NFL, or I think the NBA, we realized that wasn't happening by about high school, but I just kind of figured that, you know, I would go play somewhere in division one, go play, you know, we were, we're big. My dad's from Florida. We've always been big university of Florida fans. So I figured I'd go play for Florida one later in my college career and go play in the NFL and make a lot of money. And that'd be great. And that was my aspiration at seven years old, you know, um, I think there were some little signs that, you know, this profession was in my future. I remember a story I always like to tell is um, 
I used to always have video game consoles growing up. And so would play Madden or call or NCAA or things like that. And I remember mm-hmm. when I had, uh, from my Sega to my N64 to my PlayStation, when I'd have Madden, uh, I always wanted to mute the game and do my own commentary while playing the game. I knew you yeah. were going to say that because I did the exact same thing. And we've had other people on the show that have done the I, exact I, I same thing, too. I always thought it was so weird. And I swear when I got in this profession, I found out more and more people actually do that. It makes me feel a little less weird, which I appreciate. Because um, I'm sure plenty of people <laughs> yeah. uh, think I was a little weirdo kid for that. But um, so there were mm-hmm. probably some signs that maybe that was going to be in the works. But I, I think my focus was was more playing growing up. And, you know, I go through high school and, and have a really good high school career uh, and, you know, don't get the D1 offers like I guess I thought I would or even really D2. I end up going to Division three school called Millsaps College over in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, and so that's where I mm-hmm. played my ball. Uh, at the time, Mike DeBose was the head coach there, the former Alabama coach. Um, he was the head coach at Millsaps at the time. And we had a really, really, really good football team. And really my focus – Walking on the campus was, again, just playing football. I really wasn't thinking about what was next, what was going to be my career choice. And I think a lot of college students probably have that going in where they don't really know what am I going to do my freshman year of college. Uh, But by my sophomore year, I had just majored in accounting. (laughs) And, you know, I just took an an (laughs) intro to accounting classes like, I'm decent at this. I'm just going to major in accounting. Um, and that's what I ended up actually graduating with was an accounting degree. Um, in the process, um, there were the SID at Millsaps at the time was this young guy named Kevin Maloney. Uh, he's now at Jones Junior College, uh, Jones County Junior College in Mississippi. Um, and he's had a really great career. And I, I remembered when I stepped on the campus my freshman year. We're doing kind of our quote unquote media days and by media days, you know, we're going in, getting our headshots, getting things taken care of for the media guy, getting right. getting all that done in one fell swoop, uh, which smart play, obviously. And I just remembered thinking to myself coming, you know, I came from a 4A high school, newspaper covered us pretty well. And that was always cool to me to see your name in the paper, to see uh, some sort of attention uh, for what you've done. And I just remembered like, whoa, you know. In high school, the only way anything came out was through the newspaper. You're telling me here, like, we have our own website. I have a headshot on the website. I have a bio on the website. They do recaps that are on the website. Like, to me, I just remember thinking that was really, really cool just as a freshman coming in. Um, And, you know, I know not every college student does this, but I always just found that just awesome that we got that sort of attention um, that was was just – that was in-house – and that was always being put out to the to the school and always being put out to the fans and to the public and to the community. And I, I found that just awesome. And so I would be the one, you know, after games and especially because we were good. I mean, I, I would go read the recaps. I would go, you know, look at the media guides. I was just really excited to see those types of things. Um, and, and it's crazy because that was 2007. That was before social media even. I mean, Facebook was here, but it wasn't. That was, was before social yeah. media had even taken off. Um, and so by my sophomore year, I, I, had, I had worked with Kevin a little bit and gotten into the sports information office and just helped with some miscellaneous things. Uh, I did some PA announcing because I think they realized I didn't have a fear of saying something in front of a crowd. So, you know, throw them on PA then. And so mm. I, I did a little PA 
did some things here and there, um, but just kind of kept my focus on football, you know, took care of my studies. And then my junior year uh, in football, we're in camp. We're about to run sprints at the end of, at the end of a practice. I start to run sprints. My back just locks up. I mean, just completely locks up. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. You know, get my back looked at. Uh, it's, you know, I've got, I've got some, some herniated discs in my lower back. And, you know, for me at that time, it was like, okay, maybe a decision needs to be made. I don't quite love football as much as I loved it in high school or growing up. You know, I still love it, but is it worth, you know, potential issues with your back and, and all these kind of going down the road? So I decided to stop after that. And that kind of that right there, because there was a probably a good one, two week period where I just kind of felt lost. Where I was like, this is the first time in my life I don't have sports. This is the first time I'm not playing something. In high school, I was two sport athlete growing up. I did three to four sports. You know, in college, I had football. And it's like, it's all gone suddenly. You know, it's, it's the old adage, like you blink and your career mm-hmm. is gone, you know, and you just never know when it's going to end. And it's like suddenly one day a light bulb came on. It's like, well, not necessarily. It doesn't have to necessarily be done. Like there, there, there's career in sports, yeah. you know. And and I worked a little closer with Kevin Maloney and later uh, Scott Sparks and Michael Neighbor and and worked even closer with the sports information office at Millsaps and really just at that point tried to help out with literally anything I could do. If you need me to write, let me write. If you need me to stat, let me stat. If you need me to do literally anything, teach it to me. I can catch on to it fast and let me start learning this stuff. And so by the time I kind of got to my senior year, it felt a little bit that even though I was a student worker, it was a one man shop at Millsaps. It felt a little more like I was kind of a de facto assistant SID. And that really ended up benefiting me a lot because my senior year, I did that and play by play broadcasting and just really started to juggle a lot of things between that in school and it played into my advantage because after I had graduated uh, the SID position came open at my alma mater and instead of doing a full search, they, they hired me. So right out the bat out of college, 22 years old in the month of June of 2011, uh, I'm the head SID at Millsaps and can kind of, you know, I have this whole thing to myself and um, that just kind of started this journey from from that point to now where, you know, I'm over 30 now and feel a little more like a, like a seasoned vet <laughs> as opposed to the rookie. Maybe I felt like uh, at 22 and uh, but it just wasn't something I, I necessarily expected or even thought of until my actual playing career it ended. And when my playing career ended, it's just. You know, I, I just have, I've always had a passion for sports, always had just this, this amazing passion for sports. You know, I keep, you know, something sports related on my TV most of the time. If I play video games, I play sports. I mean, I, I've just always had an obsession with sports and it, it didn't take until that was taken away from me that or and taken away from me is probably I should probably say, you know, when I chose to 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 move on that. Right that's when that opportunity came up. I want to go a couple of things off of what you said, but firstly, I, I want to know because I'm in this position now where I look young and I'm 25. <laughs> so uh, when you're sitting in your office and, and you're sitting there at 22, you just transitioned. You were, you were literally the student assistant. You were introduced as the student assistant. You graduate 
is June. Now all of a sudden you're the head guy working with the same coaches. I mean, was it an easy transition for that? Or was there a little bit of mental block, maybe, um, maybe some anxiety with that? I mean, what was that transition? There was definitely like some anxiety. You? I mean, I had, I had confidence in myself that I could do it. Um, otherwise I don't think they would have ever given me the position. And I think I had gotten to a point in my previous years where I had built a trust, uh, with the head SIDs at the time to, to be able to do things like write articles and post them on the website to be able to run stat crew at a game <clears throat> to do even be able to set up the broadcast because I was doing play by play. So I was already kind of setting it up myself. So there was a lot of yeah. kind of big things like that, that I knew I could do and I could do well, but then there was kind of the other side of things that I didn't really know. And that, that, that was almost kind of some of the, the stuff you really do in the office. I mean, I could stat a game. I didn't really know at the time, and, and XML stats weren't really there yet. I didn't really know how to post stats. I didn't really know how to run reports. I didn't really know a lot of the ins and outs of stat crew. I just knew how to stat a game um, at that time. And so, mm-hmm. and, and there was other little things, you know, at that time, that was around the time, 2011, 2012, that it felt like you started kind of seeing some more content graphically. Twitter was really starting to pick up some steam a little bit. So social media was starting to become something. And that was a little bit of a new thing for me. And yeah, I mean, I knew I had the energy and the passion for it, but yeah, it is a little intimidating when you're sitting down and you have you know 20 plus sports and you're, you're by yourself and you're kind of like, Ooh, here we go. Um, the one thing that helped the one I brought up earlier, Kevin Maloney, I, I'll, I'll never forget. You know, I kind of called him, kind of towards July, you know, into July, I remember I called him and was like, Hey, there's, you know, I have some questions for you that, you know, I want to ask you some, a few things to go through with me. And I remember he actually came to the office and spent about two hours with me and just did a, did a crash course of just, you know, here's how you post your stats. You know, here's some things you need to know with InDesign. Here's some things you need to know with Photoshop. Here's some just key pointers and just so many different areas that just at least helped me get out of the starting gate. And that's really all I needed. I just needed to get out mm-hmm. the gate to get an idea of just lead me in the direction of where to go. And I can start figuring it out from there. Uh, and especially at the age I was at, I, I had just the desire and the fire to figure it out. I just needed to go in the right direction. And so him taking that time with me uh, to really help me out early on just helped steered me in the right direction and, and have some success in those early years you know, he showed me a few things on Photoshop, but I had to teach myself Photoshop at the end of the day. He can't tell me every little piece to do with Photoshop, uh, especially when we're both kind of early stages of it, not really doing a lot of graphics at that time. You know, same thing with InDesign. Like, you know, you can give me the template for it and that's helpful. Don't get me wrong. It's very helpful, but I got to learn how to build things and be able to how to create things in that as well. And so just getting in the right direction really helped. Um kind of jumpstart the career from there. <clears throat> you mentioned that when you were a student athlete and after you guys had got gotten done with the game, you'd read the, the recap, you would look at everything and it made you excited. So there is now no doubt in my mind that there, that we all have athletes now that are the sure. exact same way. And we, we might not know that. So how does that maybe, uh, I don't want to use the word motivate, but maybe like, shift your frame of thinking or shift your work ethic or work progress when there are athletes that like when maybe when you're feeling like maybe during this time 
there's no games, there's no nothing. So anything we put out there, they got to be happy with. So how does that kind of propel you along to, to where your experience um, affects your work now and maybe a student athlete? It's everything too. to me. And, and if, if anybody's ever spent time with me, I, my philosophy has really been the same for, you know, 10 years now. My philosophy is forever and always the student athlete experience. That's my number one thing of all time. Um, I always want to make sure that, because again, just as you said, I, I was in those shoes at one point and I, and I know how I felt seeing those things. I know how I felt seeing uh, awesome recaps. Heck, I know how I felt, you know, and I think this relates to the graphical content now, but I remember how I felt seeing the media guide. I just was like, I was amazed by it. I was just like, whoa, like this is a, it, 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 Kevin did such a good job. This is a 120 page media guide at a division three school. Like this is sick. Like, and I get to have one like this is this is incredible. Mm -hmm. And and so to me, it's just always about the student athlete experience and just I, it always motivates me to try to go above and beyond uh, as much as I can, you know, and understanding, you know, I, I've worked primarily at Division three schools as well as Division two schools now. And I understand there's limited resources. I understand we can't do everything that, you know, some of the big boys do. Um, that's all understandable. But you still want to go above and beyond and do everything you can to give them the best experience that they're having at that school. And, you know, I always felt like Kevin at Millsaps, he made it feel like, you know, if ESPN's not going to come here, I'm going to make it feel like ESPN's here at all times. And, and, and so that was kind of always the philosophy I took with me is just, I, I want to make this feel as big time as possible. And I want to make it feel big time for them. And, and that's, that's what matters at the end of the day. And I, I do feel like if you take care of your, your student athletes that are currently on your campus and you take care of their experience, I think it ultimately then affects so many different things such as recruiting. You know, I mean, I feel like if recruits see that your student athletes are so pleased with everything, uh, your current student athletes, that affects recruiting in a pro positive way. I think you can re I think you can affect alumni relations in the future. I think it's good for the coaches. I think it's good for the staff. And I think, that's really, I think in, in anything with athletics, that needs to be your, at least in college athletics, that needs to be your focus as the student athletes. Yeah. I, I think that, um, even when you, you take that frame of thinking of like making it big time just for them, you have to make it big time for yourself as well. Cause I know that there are people out there that even student athletes, uh, I mean, I'm sure you're seeing some of this little bit of trend on Twitter. That's like, D1 or bus, this is a division two school. And it has like, like my alma mater's arena. Like it's a huge, massive arena. And they're like, this is like what you get at a division two school, a division three school, NAI and, and so on and so forth. So I know a lot of people, maybe young professionals that are listening to this, they might think that like, well, the only way maybe to make themselves happy or make themselves content with their careers to go big time, which yeah, it's fun. I've been there, but I've also been at NAI level to where I right now I'm significantly happier with my job right now just because of what I'm doing. I mean, it's not for everybody and you just got to figure that self out for yourself. So what do you say to somebody that maybe are, is in that way of thinking right now, maybe um, help them out a little bit, expanding maybe their thought process as we get into uh hopefully by next spring, a post-COVID uh, co-sided job Absolutely. search. And I, and I think, you know, it's definitely not something, you know, to, to write off. 
you know, I remember Division mm-hmm. Two, for example, uh, is, is a good example. Um, I remember one of my first Division Two basketball games, and I'm sitting here watching the talent level, and I'm like, whoa, like, these dudes can ball. <laughs> like, this isn't, you know, this, yeah. and it's the thing you would always say, and this goes to Division Three too, because I was a Division Three athlete, and I, I will tell you, my football team, you know, yeah, we're going to go beat Alabama? No, but I tell you, we could beat a lot of teams that were up up our levels because we were that talented and we had that many talented uh-huh. individuals on our team. And, and so one, I think most people would be, I think sometimes it's those lower divisions can be looked a little bit as an intramurals thing. And, and it's not to say that everybody does that, but sometimes mm-hmm. I think there is a little bit of a, eh, well, it's not D one. It's not really that quality. And it's like, well, no, there is some really, really good athletes. there, it's really, quality. really good ones. I especially saw it in yeah. basketball for division two, where, you know, you're just astonished at the level of play you're seeing kind of week in and week out. And, and you just have to remind yourself that, sure, there's some, there, you know, resources and all that. I understand that, you know, Division Two and Division Three usually is not on the mm. level of Division One or at least major Division One. So I, I can understand maybe the frustrations or even the hesitations of that. But you got to remember those student athletes go out and practice every day. They go work their tails off. They go wanting to win a championship. And a lot of them go into this knowing that a professional level is not the next step for them. And so they go mm-hmm. in uh, with, a, with a, a really true love of the game. And that's not to knock Division One athletes. I know there's Division One athletes that love the game as well. But for Division Two and Division Three, like th- this is their end game most of the, most of the time. This is where it's going to end for them. And they put in so much work and effort and the appreciation they give back to you as well for the things you do. It's not to say that again, division one's not an expectation, I guess um, that, you know, so much content can come out, but the appreciation you can get from division two and division three athletes to make their experience special, to make them feel big time, to make them feel like uh, it, it, it's a really gratifying feeling. And, and it's, it's where I've been my entire career and I, I've, I've been so fortunate to have so many, not just wonderful student athletes, but, you know, between student athletes, student workers mm-hmm. as well, that have just been just unbelievable. And, and the appreciation that they have uh, for the work they you do and the work that you do to make, to, to highlight them and to, uh, to, to push them um, makes it really gratifying. It really does. It, it makes it all worth it at the end of the day. It makes those long hours worth it when you're thinking, wow, I'm a one man crew. How am I going to do this? Or, wow, we only have, two people or three people like how can we manage this you know when you when you hear that appreciation at the end of the day and you, and you, and you see the effect you've made uh, it really is a gratifying uh feeling yeah yeah absolutely i want to go back to something that you said about uh i think the phrase you used was take well not really taken away from you i know what you mean because how i got into sports information as well um mm-hmm. i was an athlete for i don't know maybe a year. And uh, once I got on campus, found out that I had two uh, stress fractures in both of my legs. And I kept running and I kept running and I kept going. And guess what happens when you keep going on stress fractures just for the sake of, you know, not being behind, they break. So I had these two broken legs and uh, eventually got to the point to where at the end of May, I was like, I I am done. I just couldn't do it anymore. I just didn't want to do it anymore. I worked in the sports information office. I knew that this was what I wanted to do by that time. But uh, once I pulled myself out of that, that sport, what I was doing, um, 
for 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 you you said it was like one or two weeks before you were like oh okay i can do this for me mm -hmm. it was a whole year of being just you know not in the right sure. frame of thought so there are several athletes kind of on our on, on everybody's rosters coming up this year maybe even the past year who are going to sustain things like that um couple questions come out of this one uh how do you think we can help them a little bit better seeing that you and I are both coming from, you know, almost the same, the same way we get into it. Yeah. And that's, that, that's a great question. You know, I think with a lot of, I think the first thing with that, I think a lot of times with division two, II, division threes, when you're talking student workers, it, it works out a lot of times. It's just the one thing you kind of don't want a lot of times, but it works out this way is a lot of the workers you get are student athletes at the end of the day because they just love being around the game. And, and so you kind of develop that relationship as well. Um, the big thing I try to do is, is try to develop between the coaches, staff, and then the student athletes develop relationships on a professional manner, obviously, and just, and try to be there, know who I am, you know, know where my office is and, and just be open to them and just, just know that, you know, if there's anything you need, if there's anything we can do, you know, if you're a lot of people, and I think we all have these frustrations at times, but here's a good, here's an example. I think of like, I understand the frustration at times, like you get an email every now and then that's like, Hey, you know, my hometown's wrong. It's not, it's not West Monroe, Louisiana, it's Monroe, Louisiana. And there's a, you know, there's a difference. You're just kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you kind of roll your eyes, but you're like, okay. But I think, you know, but being okay, open whatever. with things like that and being open with, you know, trying, I mean, from anything, like I, I we've had student athletes, especially those from other countries who might be like, you know, oh, you, you say my last name, however you want. It's like, no, 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 no. How do you actually say your last name so we can pronounce it correctly? And it's just trying to build relationships and, and, and trying to be open and, and be there. And, and I have always been someone who, who likes to communicate, who is personable, who likes to have fun with the student athletes, likes to do interviews, likes to do anything that can kind of highlight the student athletes. And so I think being able to have uh, some sort of relationship, being open with them, being around the team. You know, we were talking off air about, you know, going to practices and things like that. Um, I think just any of the different content you're doing while developing those relationships, you know, can open up opportunities that, you know, if something unfortunate happens and a career has to end early, you know, due to injury or, or whatever circumstance that, you know, if they're needing somebody, if they're needing somebody to talk to, you know, you don't want to force yourself. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, but you want to be available that, you know, if somebody comes in my office and said, wow, my football career just ended, you know, I can say, I know what you mean. You know, I, I've been through a similar thing and, yeah. and it's going to be okay. And there's plenty of other options and, 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 figuring out what you want to want, you know, and that's, that's always my big thing, even with student workers who, who are working in sports information, it's just, it's always, no matter what it is, just figuring out what you want to do. I mean, that's what I'm so grateful and thankful for is that it hit me that like, th th this is what I need to, this is what I want to do. Like, this is my passion. Like this is, this is what I love to do. Like, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love going to work in the morning and I, I enjoy it. Like, you know, it's not to say you don't have tough days now and then, but, you know, I truly enjoy my job. Um, I truly enjoy what I do and I really, really have a passion for it. And so, you know, with any student worker, for example, that's, that's, that's my first goal is just, you know, what do you like doing? 
you know, cause I don't want to just put you, you know, mm-hmm. there might be times I have to put you on a camera to put you on a camera, but I really want you to do things you want to do. If you want this job, what exactly do you want to do? Do you like taking pictures? Do you like making graphics? Do you like, uh, you know, writing? Like, what is it that kind of, you know, that, that, that you really enjoy? And, and so I, I think that's just when, when you can develop those kind of open relationships and, and, and just be open and there and personable and just, you know, being around your student athletes, your teams, your coaches. I think when situations like that arise, you can at least be there if, if they need it. I think this also can apply to how many people might be left stranding after this whole job situation is, is going through. We talked last week about, um, excuse me, there's like a, 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 like a Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski parody account for sport creatives. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's like an active running list of, of free agents, essentially kids that have graduated people that are, uh, have been in it for a while and still haven't been able to find something through this whole COVID mess. Um, and I just saw a couple of people today, but literally before I hopped on here with you, I, I just saw that somebody at the PAC 12 network had been let go after a couple of years. So now they're also out into it. So, um, I just came off of, 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 a, of a place to where I didn't know if I was getting this job. I had been offered this job for a month. I moved up here because I, I felt like it was the right thing to do still. And then two days before I actually was supposed to start, uh, they called me and said, hey, we'll see you Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like, yes, being open and having the relationships. I, I am incredibly, incredibly, incredibly thankful for the people that reached out to me and just said like, hey, what's going on? Because it, because people can pick Absolutely. up on my energy. I mean, I'm not great. Nobody's great no. at hiding no, they're not. how you feel. I mean, you, you might think you are. Yeah, you're not great at no. hiding how you feel. I mean, people, it, it's just some people asking about it might be more courageous than others. Um, one thing I'll offer before I, I swear I'll move on. I have a book and my headphones are too short, so I was going to grab and show you, but I can't right now. Um, called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Uh, it talks about the glass self. And I can align this with maybe how I felt as a college athlete and maybe even just an athlete through my life in general, because that, to be quite frank, that was mm-hmm. the only thing I was good at mm-hmm. as a kid. <laughs> was just being fast. I sucked at school. I, I, I didn't like, <laughs> I didn't like doing anything else other than just running and just being good and winning awards and winning meets and things like that. So, um, I built my, my whole identity and my whole framework of who I was around this one thing. And guess what happens when you get hurt and you lose this passion, you lose everything, the glass self breaks. And then, and then you're kind of left to pick up the pieces, like what, what's going on. So, um, People who are in this position right now to where you might be a little lost at this point. Um, I've had the same exact thoughts that you are having right now. What else am I good at? And I looked at all sorts of jobs. I looked at all sorts of communications jobs. I thought about being a maintenance guy at a baseball field. I promise you, I I'm 24 last summer. I'm 25 now. I thought about being a full-time maintenance guy at a baseball field just to get me through until next spring. So I, I've been at those thoughts. There are people to listen. And the best part is this knock on wood, this desk is wood. Hopefully this right. won't last forever. So and just, and just, I'll, I'll just to, just to kind of punctuate that, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I mean it, everybody, you know, I, I always felt like I was so fortunate to kind of 
go into, you know, kind of fall, almost fall into where I did. And it worked out mm -hmm. very well, but it also doesn't mean, I mean, even when you're in the job, like, cool, I'm working at my alma mater. It's great. And it's wonderful. And I'm ahead SID and that's awesome. And I'm making $18,000 a year. <laughs> and that's not really a lot of money to live on either. And, and there's a lot of, uh, times where there's uncertainty where you're you're not sure if whatever that next career move is the right move uh there's there, there's times you know i had a year where i was you know at the time that you know i had nothing you know i didn't have a job at that time and that was mm -hmm. uh hard as well and, and so there, there's plenty of times uh even if you come out right out the bat and, and you're you're fortunate enough to, to land something there's still plenty of other times where that support system and this even goes a little further you know the network that we have and the people that we know and the people we can rely on having that network to fall back on and just be like man i just i need somebody to talk to i need somebody to run this by i need somebody like am i going crazy here am i I, I'm, I'm disappointed with something at a school. Am I overthinking this? Just there's so many mental grounds and mental gymnastics you can do in your head. And especially, you know, uh, mental health is such a big thing nowadays that that's getting more and more attention, thankfully. But, um, you know, when you're in a job where it's fast paced and you're going and you're going and you're going and you're going, you're going hundred miles per hour, left and right, left and right. You have a billion things going on. You're trying to get a million things done. Um, and, you have things that are bothering you or things that are upsetting you, or you have decisions you need to make, you know, there, that, that support system is, is huge. And, and there's, there's quite a few SIDs that I know um, that I'm so grateful for that I can send a text to and just be like, Hey, let me run something by you, or let me give you a quick call. Um, you know, let, let me just, you know, who understand what we're going through as well. And so, um, you know, I think just, just being there, not only, you know, for, for student athletes who are struggling, but just being there in our profession for, for colleagues who are, who are struggling and who are having tough times, especially in this day and age, um, you know, having that support system or being there for somebody who may is still trying to build a support system is, is invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I picture it as like a running train. There's like train tracks that you got to train, just like you said, running a thousand miles an hour, you know, it, it, there's no stopping this thing because hell, right. we don't <laughs> stop at all. Um, and then you put like a boulder on the train tracks. It could be, it could be a small one or it could be For a sure. very big one, but this train doesn't stop moving. So you're still going to go over the boulder. It's going to hurt like hell, but at the same time, like, that's just how I picture it. And then ha having all sorts of support things, keeping you on the right track, uh, literally and metaphorically, um, is valuable to me. Uh, one thing, uh, when, like, when you're thinking about like, is this the right move or is this the right thing to do? Do, do, am I going to have to take a job at, at somewhere else that maybe I don't want to do for a little bit? Um, yes. trust yourself a little bit more. Yeah, I would say because just as I said a few minutes ago, I didn't know if I had this job, literally. And I got in an apartment. My fiance and I got an apartment here because we enjoyed the area and it felt right. So we sat down one day. She came she came down to, to where I was living at the time with my parents over the summer. Um, and, we, and we sat down over some Papa John's <laughs> and we just talked about what are we going to do? And she goes, she looked at me. The first thing she said, she didn't say anything else. She just said, 
Uh, so what do you want to do? And I said, we're going to go up there. And I, and that was complete. I don't know if it was divine. I don't know if it was just me being cocky, <laughs> but it worked out because I trusted myself right. a little bit more. And I, and I say that people need to, to way do that way more, especially during a time to where there's so Absolutely. many. Absolutely. Believe in yourself. To me. Yeah. You were told that as a kid, believe in yourself, trust yourself. Yeah. And, and, and it, it sounds so simple, but it, literally trust yourself. If it feels like it's the right thing, then, you know, ultimately that's the one thing with support. You, you can have all the support you want. You can talk to all the people you want. You can have all the friends you need. And those are important. Those are things you have to have at the end of the day. You have to make that decision, though. You ultimately have to, you know, it, it does come down to you. I think we all try to, I think most people try to pride themselves and not be selfish and try to think of others and try to, um, you know, mm -hmm. do things like that. But there are times where, quite frankly, you have to be selfish because you have to make decisions for yourself and decisions that are best for you or your family or, or whatever the situation may be. And so, you know, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You know, you hear all your life that, you know, don't yeah. there's times that's okay. There is times that you do everything you do for, for coaches, for administrators, for student athletes, for everybody, but yourself. And that's great. But sometimes when, when it comes to it, you have to make decisions that, that benefit you at the end of the day, you have to do things that, that, that are helpful for you and that, that are best for you. Yeah, I'm reading a book right now called The Way of Men by Jack Donovan. And it talks about kind of the manhood. I'm I'm very early in the book. So it talks about like manhood and the and the mm -hmm. tribe, basically, uh, of you protecting your own, protecting the perimeter, uh, providing food, things like that. We are literally and, and he was just making these comparisons. We are literally no different than protecting our tribe thousands of years ago or hundreds of years ago, however you want to see it. We're still doing that every single day. And they had to make Absolutely. selfish decisions to, to survive to do everything like that. So, so you had to, or else there's no more lineage of you basically is what that was. It came down to, you know, take or be taken is what it was. Um, even when, like, as you were just saying, like you, you're taught to do everything for your coaches, everything for your administration, everything for your student athletes, even as just kids, we were taught, you mm -hmm. know, to share, to say please and thank you, to, to be nice to your brother to be nice to your mom and dad, respect your elders. It was for everything else. And if you even thought about, maybe not even really thought about, but if you were excessively, you know, I want this, this is mine. It was seen as very rude just as a kid. So I think that's always been embedded in our heads, at least to, to some degree. So we can uh, continue talking about that because I could talk about that forever, <laughs> personally, but uh, we will uh, definitely move on. So I know that you didn't spend forever at Millsap. So how about you uh, talk about your career path a little bit? I know that you were at Southern Nazarene. Now you're there at uh, Oklahoma Baptist, which was a when, when I was in college, that was the powerhouse NAI school. And I know you guys are D2 now. So what was yeah, the path and then like that's, that's a pretty later path. You know, so I started at Millsaps and spent about um, a year and a half at Millsaps. Um, I was making about, as I said, 18000 a year. And even in Jackson, Mississippi, which is not a very rich city or state, uh, that's just not a lot of money to live off of. And I, I remembered specifically uh, going into my second year at Millsaps, I remember I asked the AD at the time, and I'll refrain from saying any names in that situation, but I remember asking the AD at that time um, about a race, you know, and just all I was asking was to make – you know, I had known what I had done a little research on my own. I knew what salaries were 
for previous SIDs at Millsaps. And then I knew what salaries were around the conference. And then I knew how not close I was to any of that. And so I asked for a raise and, you know, you kind of learn a lesson there where you're expecting, uh, just to be blunt, you're expecting somebody to, a you're little expecting give. somebody to go yeah. to bat for you and you see they don't, you know, and it became more and more evident that I needed to dust up my resume and, and start looking at somewhere else to go um, to my fortune. You know, I, I was just, I was, we were in the middle of football season, so I was just going to focus, you know, put my nose down, grind through it. And, you know, by either December or maybe the following summer, something would come up and we'd figure it out. Um, I was going to be a little, little plug for Cosida here, the Cosida, uh, resume, uh, portion. Uh, I upload, yep. Job, job seekers, seekers. Yeah. I just uploaded my resume up to the job seekers. This was in 2012 and a day or two later, I got a call from Laterno university, uh, in Longview, their SID had just left and was off to Baylor and they needed an SID pretty quick. And so I packed my bags and headed to East Texas. Um, I spent about nine months there, which was fine. Um, they didn't have football and I kind of realized, and this might be, I might be a crazy SID in this case, but I did realize I missed football. I missed having football at a university. Um, I know some people welcome not having football, uh, but I personally like having football. Yeah. Um, and I, I realized that, I did I not too. like not having football uh, as much as I like covering basketball as well. I just, I, I really like having that fall. Um, so at that time, by the end of the year at Laterno, this would have been the summer of 2013. So Bill Saps used to be in a conference called the Southern Collegiate Athletic Conference. Um, we played in that conference. We hosted a bunch of different events, including the basketball tournament. So when I was kind of doing my thing as a student worker, helping out in many different ways, I helped out with as many SCAC tournaments as I could. Uh, I helped out with the basketball one. Um, I helped out with their baseball one up in the Memphis area and did play-by-play. I just tried to help as much as I can. Um, and, 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 and a word of advice as I kind of go through this. If you, the, Everything I've taken in my job has been because it's a better job for me. And, and that's why I've moved on to what I have. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell you how many things I've done volunteer just just to get experience how many times i've reached out you know i've, I've been fortunate to work the sec football championship and the sec baseball championship I, I didn't work those for money i worked those for experience i worked those as volunteer hours so if you can do that they are immense experience and it worked out well in this case because the commissioner Dwayne hanbury uh who is still the commissioner now gave me a call and his assistant commissioner left, and he wanted to bring me on as the assistant commissioner. And this was a really vital point in my career in 2013, in my opinion, because out of college, I was a head SID. And so I was kind of on my own, figure it out. At Laterno, I was a head SID, on my own, figure it out. At the SCAC, I was the assistant commissioner. Now, I still was basically the SID at the end of the day, and I still had, you know, kind of, the freedom to do whatever I wanted creatively, but it was really the first time because Dwayne was a former assistant commissioner and a former SID for I think 12 or 13 years, if not more. 
And so it was the first time I was under somebody that could really give me, not only just give me more training, but really challenge me. And that's what I really needed at that time because everything was just kind of on my own. And Dwayne was such a vital part of my life, both personally and professionally. Personally, he helped me grow a lot uh, with some troubles I was having. And professionally, he really helped just develop me, I think, into the, the, the communications person I am now. He really just – and it was more of, like I said, he still gave me the freedom to kind of do whatever I wanted. You know, he was a big ideas guy. He wanted to try things. He wanted to do different things. He wanted to try different content. It really wasn't a bad idea. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But it was just the challenge mm-hmm. finally to have in front of you of, okay, now I can really take this on, um, you know, take on some different things head on, learn some different things, learn some new things. And so that those two years in Atlanta uh, were awesome. And, and I, I'm very grateful to Dwayne. And then later on, so it was Dwayne and I to start the first year. And then uh, the following year, a person who has uh, been on, I believe has been, has done one of these is Katie Mucci. Uh, she came through as well. Yeah, twice. twice. So shout out Katie uh, when you hopefully listen. <laughs> um, she came through the second year and she'll probably agree with this. I don't think initially we got along very well. And I think it it wasn't anything – I had no problem with her personally. I think it was just – I don't even know if it was a clash of styles. I don't know what it was. We just we just kind of didn't see eye to eye at first. Just personality. And then as, yeah. time, as time went on, I think what I realized is that cause she is so immensely talented and you could see out the box that she was so immensely talented is that it really pushed me. And made me realize, and maybe for, for just from my perspective, as I've grown older and hopefully wiser, is that maybe I felt a little threatened at first. Of, <laughs> Whoa, what's happening here? Yeah, uh, that you know somebody's come in mm-hmm. and then they're bringing all these different things, and I, I might have at, at at the start just been a little threatened off the bat. And it took me to probably grow a little bit to realize that no, this isn't a threat. We can work together, and we can really make some cool things and do some awesome things, and we did. And, you know, we're, we're friends now. Um, and, and so, you know, that, that, those two years at the SEAC were, were really valuable, like I said, both professionally and personally. Um, and I went from there, did two years at Rhodes College in Memphis, was back in a SID role. Um, it was just a good situation at the time. Um, you know, just, just, just a, a, a better uh, situation to get into. Um then ended up at Southern Nazarene, uh, Division II school. Um, so that was a little bit of a change going up to the Division II level. Um, but did a year there and then had this opportunity come in front of me with Southern Nazarene, or excuse me, with Oklahoma Baptist. And it was my first time. I really wanted to, as I kind of reached my 30s, I really wanted to work myself into an assistant athletic director role. I really wanted to pick on some administration duties along with my communication duties. And uh, OBU was at that time just a perfect fit um, for me. And so I've just finished up year one and on, on the way to year two right now. And 
really was having, I mean, I mean, to be honest, was having a wonderful, wonderful first year uh, until COVID came through. We were doing, I, I thought we were doing a lot of really, really good things. I thought our content was just top notch uh, for division two. I thought we were doing a lot of cool things, a lot of different things. Um, and it had a lot of really positive momentum and then kind of COVID came along and, Though I think we've still done some really good things and, and continue to do some really good things, it, it was a shame. I mean, I always remembered I was I was getting ready to leave to go to Missouri for the NCAA basketball championships, uh, which OBU was going to be a part of for the first time ever in the NCAA, and before we got the call that everything was done. And so, you know, jumped around a little bit, um, but I always kind of thought for a person with an accounting degree um, – that wasn't too. That wasn't too Done bad. Well. And uh, and then finally, I mean, yeah. you know, I do want to keep moving into in administration in the future, and, and possibly move into athletic director in the future. And and so I've I've now started my master's finally online with Southern Mississippi. So and that excited me because, as I said, accounting degree. <laughs> you know, you don't get a lot of. Uh, communication skills in the accounting field you probably get the opposite of communication skills in the accounting field um but it's kind of the first time in my life that i'm gonna get some higher education in my field and that actually that, that really does excite me a lot mm -hmm. good so what's it like kind of because i'm interested and in, i obviously plan mm -hmm. to be here a little while um, cause I just got here and I, I really enjoyed here. I really enjoy the area. Um, but I, I eventually do want to move up into more administration stuff. I, I feel like that, that I feel like I fit more in that sort of frame. So, um, for me and for others who might be thinking the same thing, what's, uh, how's your evaluation process like for moving to place to place? I mean, I don't even know what this, what it looks like when you're, when you're going for, a job interview that, that involves, you know, being an assistant AD of strategic communications. I don't, I don't know what that looks like. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you evaluate the next role, the next step in your career, and maybe how it aligns with uh, the your crazy thing goals? sometimes is just, sometimes it just, it, it could be a divine intervention, you know, at times, I think sometimes it just falls into your lap and you don't, you're just kind of like, Whoa, like where'd mm -hmm. that come from? You know, everything, and I, and I don't want to look if you're, if you're, <laughs> I think the old adage is if you're in this job for the money, then you probably shouldn't be in this field. Um, mm -hmm. I, I can say though, early in my career, uh, probably up until probably around the SCAC to Rhodes move, probably about around the Rhodes move, every move was a little bit of a monetary decision that just, you know, it wasn't something that like, you know, with the exception of maybe the Millsaps early on, it was not like I have to have more money or I can't live. I mean, could have been okay, but it was just a better opportunity yeah. that paid a little more, that maybe made a little sense personally at the time. Um, and, and so sometimes it's those factors that kind of play in, you know, with the exception, I think of one time, I, I can't think of a situation where I was just like, I need to get out of here. Like I, I have to, I have to leave. I think every situation I would have been perfectly, um, perfectly happy of staying where I was. Um, it just happened to be that, you know, whatever situation kind of came up, this would be better off for me, whether it's personally, whether it's, uh, for the trajectory of my career, whatever the case may be, it, this was just a better move at that time and made more sense. Um, it happens fast. 
It really does. If, if you do pursue it, it does feel like, I know maybe not in your situation uh, recently, but, but for me, no. it always <laughs> seems to just go really quickly. And, and, and there's times, there's a few times I can think of where you're just like, okay, pause. Like I need a few days to make a decision. I need to make sure this is what I'm doing. And it kind of goes back to trusting yourself at the end of the day, but there's just times where you're like, whoa, a lot of this happened really, really fast. And so um, I need to stop and, and, and make sure the decision I'm making is the correct decision or what I should be doing. Um, and so, you know, there was times um, I, I had been previously married before. And so there was times, you know, there was decisions that went into that before. Uh, I'm not married anymore. So uh, those decisions um you know, there's no regret with the decisions I made. I think, I think everything again kind of happened for a reason, and and I ended up at places that at that time made right. sense or were the what seemed like the correct move um, at the time, and that's kind of where I'm at now. Is you know I, I'm in the right spot and it makes sense now. And I, and I knew coming into the OBU one specifically that that was really the first one where I was like, okay, I'm ready to make the move um, from you know, director of communications and being the head of the communications department and actually start moving into something administrative relate, related. And so, um, you know, that after I kind of went through my previous employer, SNU, and, you know, tried to see if that was something that could be in the works. And they said potentially down the road, but it was something they just, they, they couldn't, you know, put pen to paper and say yes. Um, which, you know, that, that, that's, that is what it is. I'm not, upset about that but that you know you just yeah. kind of start keeping an eye it's just like with anything else i don't think i've ever just been like actively just like i have to find this one job it just kind of like oh you know you open ncaa jobs or Cosida and you see oh oklahoma baptist assistant athletic director of strategic communications yeah that 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 kind of fits exactly of the next step i'm wanting to go to and then it's just as we talked about earlier trusting yourself putting yourself out there and not being afraid to um, take that next step. Because the hardest part anytime with leaving, and, and I, I maybe have done it a little bit much, but the hardest part with leaving is you do develop relationships with student athletes and with the coaches and with some of the administrators. And oh, you yeah. just, you hate to leave some of them because, you know, they're, 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 kids you care about and they're they're kids that you know if you've been there for a few years you've watched their career tra- trajectory and and you, you know you want to kind of see them through their senior day or, or whatever the case may be and so that's the part that does um become very hard it's just that um you know you have to kind of leave that behind but again it goes back to the, the selfish decisions you have to make sometimes and it doesn't make you a bad person it's just you have to make those decisions at times It's really weird how whenever we get to the end of an episode, you can clearly see the themes and how it all wraps together. It's so wild. I'll tell you that. And there's plenty of things. Yeah, there's plenty, plenty of things you guys can take away here. Well, um, we're bumping up against time. I wanted to ask you some quick little fun questions. I might uh, shorten it a little bit, but um, in your uh, professional tenure, what's your uh, favorite memory? Oh, man, that is... I really one that just stands out a little more recently. I can think of two. I'll do two, uh, just because I can do two. Uh, okay. At the SCAC, um, we got to 
go up to the national championships in golf and watch one of our teams win the national championship. And that was just a really, it was both Dwayne and I, it was my first year. We both went up there and just had a really, really good time. The kids who won it were just could not be more phenomenal kids and you just couldn't be happier for them. And so that was a really fun experience to watch them uh, win a national title. Um, also, another national title. This is going to be, a, I'm going to end up having three. At Rhodes College, uh, the women's golf team winning the national title. I got to be there for that. And, uh, you know, the golf coach had so many kind things to say. But watching them win the national title was also an amazing experience. And then the final one that really stuck out to me lately is uh, our men's basketball team at Southern Nazarene uh, won the GAC tournament, ended up going to NCAAs. And just, you know, I've seen national championships won. Those are fun. A lot of times, you know, whether it was me and Dwayne or me by myself, those were a lot of fun. But a group of five of us, it was me, my GA, our play-by-play broadcaster, uh, the, our compliance person, and then a student worker all get to go up to Maryville together for the, for the weekend for those NCAA games. And just there was just something about that. I love that team, number one. That, that's one of my favorite teams I've ever covered. So those, those guys meant a lot to me. And then just, just, just those group of people just made it such a fun experience. I mean, it was truly a, a really, really fun experience. And it, it, it cultivated, we ended up using, losing to the number one team in the nation on their home floor, but they had a packed out gym of 5,000 people. And it was, it was just, it was awesome. Uh, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? I, I think some more of the, on the administrative side, uh, obviously. And I, I mean, that's one reason, as I said, why I'm kind of working on my master's is I just, I want to, you know, just kind of athletics as a whole, um, when that falls with communications, external operations, uh, marketing, whatever the case may be, I just want to, uh, really get a grasp on more things. And, you know, I just, I think the biggest thing without even saying a, a real specific thing, I just don't ever want to just be content with that. I'm good now. You know, I've got it, you know, because I don't want right. you can't in this job with technology. It's just impossible. Social media wasn't a, really a thing when I started in this career. And now it's, I mean, it, it's a job requirement. And so I, I think I, I'm interested in how technology is going to evolve. And, and I'm interested in kind of continuing while still having hold with communications but just seeing what else can be done administratively and, and working a little closer on those ends uh along with my communications background when you're not in the office what are you doing to have fun <sighs> anything <laughs> i it goes back to my sports when i you would think when i get home i would want to get away from sports i love going to games i live i this is i this is a weird profession to where somebody, I forget who has told me that, but the, but a doctor doesn't go home and read medical journals or read about medical stuff. I mean, they might, but they're not like watching it on TV. They're not completely obsessed with it. Well, some may be. SIDs, we go home and we say, watch I sports. probably about 10 minutes walking distance from Chesapeake. So very easy to catch a Thunder game anytime. Um, I, so I enjoy that. My dog's about to come on, the, come up here and say hi in a minute, but, uh, enjoy going to Chesapeake. 
I would I be disappointed say, if they did. Absolutely, didn't. but Chesapeake uh, going to catch a game there or a game anywhere. It doesn't matter where. You know, the Dodgers have a nice stadium too, a minor league stadium. Uh, you know, my my girlfriend and I will. Um, it's so cool. I live in. I told myself the one regret I had when I lived in Atlanta is I lived in Lawrenceville, so I lived in the. Uh, I lived in the outskirts of Atlanta, about 30 minutes away. And, and I always kind of regretted that because I lived in a suburb and not in the city. And so I told myself, if I ever had the opportunity again, I'm going to live in the city. And so I live in the city of Oklahoma City. And so there's just between just restaurants and fun places to go and sporting events and you know being near a place like dallas that's just a hot skip of a jump away or kansas city or wherever you want to go um you know i just i just like to go out and have fun and talk and converse and um you know and 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 all that's just fun with me um but yeah if, if you had to give me one thing i do like going to sporting events it's crazy as that sounds i also do i like to when, when i am chilling and wanting to unwind i like i like to play video games um you know I know this is a podcast, so people are listening, but we can see each other. There's a record player right behind me. That's one of my favorite uh-huh. things to just, if I've had a long day, is just pop on a record and just drift away for a little bit. Yeah, my my uh, my fiance's dad has a has a huge record collection that puts well, anybody in the shame. I'm telling you, it's it's like I would say I've been incredible. collecting for about four years, so I, I sure I I pale in comparison by a good bit. Yeah, he's got like I'm telling you, man, he's got like oh, two shelves. You can't even see my wall. I'm not showing you my office, but it's got like oh yeah, I'm about it's at crazy. eighty right now. Um, well, speaking of restaurant, yeah, so I'm about, okay. I'm about at eighty right now. Um, uh. See, that threw me for a loop because now I'm trying to like think. Um, anyway, restaurant or bar recommendations. Next time someone's in your neck of the woods, you've already mentioned it a little bit within walking okay. distance to you, but um, okay, so what do you come got? Come to Oklahoma City. Ooh, I can have fun with this little game. All right, so Oklahoma City is surprising. I lived in <laughs> Memphis. I'm from Louisiana. New Orleans is one of my favorite cities in the world. New Orleans and Memphis are two of the best food cities in the world. New Orleans being one, Memphis being two, in my humble opinion. Oklahoma City is a shockingly good food city. I would have never guessed it, but it is a really, really good food city. If I was going to give you one restaurant, if you came to my apartment and say, let's go get dinner, where are you taking me? There is a ramen place a couple blocks away from my house, and it's called Tamashi. And it is, of all the places, the best ramen I have ever had. Um, And... They have a garlic ramen uh, with braised pork, which is just unreal. Um, and I will always, always pump that place uh, before anywhere else because that that it, it, it's unbelievably good. And, and I didn't eat a lot. I'm not a kid who ate ramen noodles all the time growing up, uh, but but this place yeah, is, me either. This place is legit. I, I think sometimes when I say that, people think like. Wait, like the instant ramen? Like, no, 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 actual ramen noodles. Like, like real ramen noodles. Yeah. Uh, there's also stunningly a really, really good brunch place here in Oklahoma City. It's a little bit further up in Uptown called Cafe Cacao. It's a Latin American uh, restaurant, and they have some of the best brunch, uh, including Eggs Benedict's, that I've ever had. Uh, their brunch is unbelievable. My girlfriend, who is from South Louisiana, 
who has been to, you know, who's had the best of the brunch in New Orleans, and I've had plenty of good brunch myself, also agrees that it's one of the better ones uh, that we've ever had. And so that one is another good one. There's plenty of places. Oh, one more. I'll do, I'll do one more. You're going to get three. The last one, I, I, get, I get excited okay. for food. I'm sorry. Uh, the last one is a place called Chick in Beer. Uh, Chick in Beer. It is a Korean wing style wings. And they just have all these different okay. flavors. I mean, just think of wings, but they are, they are just crisp and they are perfect and they are phenomenal. Um, they have all sorts of flavors from, uh, uh, sriracha buffalo to gochujang to a kind of little bit of a different garlic parmesan. That's really good. Uh, they have some crazy good nachos on wonton chips. Uh, you can probably see, I, I very much enjoy the Asian cuisine. So if, if anybody listens to a fan of Asian mm-hmm. food, uh, I've got a few spots here in OKC. Um, oh, and Nashford, Nashford, uh, it's Nashville hot chicken. It's also really good. I'm gonna leave it at that because otherwise I could go for gotcha. days. Cool. Uh, well, I'm a wings guy, so you've already uh, appealed to my Good. crowd a little bit. Um, if anybody had any uh, questions for you, wanted to follow up with you, would be the best yeah, way to I do mean, it. Yeah, you can really any way possible. Um, I am. Um, I am on social media at James Hill. That's just my name: J M E S H I L L S I D. So uh, please hit me up with a follow there. Uh, if you would like, um, I'm not going to give my phone number out over air, but you can also email me at hilljc32 at gmail.com, whatever, you know, we, we talked about a lot, especially about support systems and things like that. And, uh, I, I think a lot of SIDs have a lot of interesting stories and a lot of SIDs have been through a lot of things. And I mean, day we work 80 to hundred hours a week and there's times you got to stop and take a mental break. And I think that's so important for us to be there for each other and to support each other uh when we need that time to mentally break awesome well james we all thank you very much for coming on we all really david appreciate i appreciate it. you man thank you for having me and uh uh hope to be back sometime soon thank you